0: Persistent, and I wanted that dig. I, I was supporting them and mm. their um, exploration yeah. of their sexuality.
1: Get your official Adam Sank Show merchandise at AdamSank.com. T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks, just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to adamsank.com to order your merch today. Thank
2: you.
3: Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material.
1: This is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm gonna suck it. Powered by
3: DNR Studios. <laughs> and now
0: The one the only adam sank. Bottom.
3: hello hello
1: we're back we're live welcome to the adam sank show we are live if you're listening live at 11am eastern on saturday september 4th 2021 labor day weekend coming at you from dnrstudios.com the only place to hear this podcast live and throughout the week that it first airs the bell is in the wrong place uh, don't forget to download the DNR Cast app. Leave us your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. Email me, me at adam at adamsank.com. If you're listening live, you may call in and speak to us at 804 Talk Ass. That's 804 825 You can call us anytime, even when we're not on the air. Leave us a voicemail. Like the Facebook page. Download the comedy albums. Get your official ass merchandise, including Demon Twink merchandise, at adamsank.com. Our guest today is an ass favorite. He is filmmaker Michael Rice, whose latest project is a documentary entitled Black As You Are. We'll also talk with him about his coverage of the Ed Buck trial, which he covered out in Los Angeles. But first, it's time to welcome back everyone's favorite unwashed pig, Mr. Ryan Frostig, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Hello, hello. Here I am.
1: Ryan, there's something wrong with my microphone. Uh, Something's happened. There's a lot of things
0: wrong. Well, There are a lot of things wrong
1: this morning. First of all, I have I woke up yesterday with a really bad head cold. No. And I got kind of freaked out because of uh, you know, the whole COVIDina, Miss COVIDina. So I went and got it tested immediately and I tested negative, you'll be happy okay. to know. But uh, yeah, my head's kind of phlegmy. I'm on Dayquil, which makes me feel kind of
2: so high
1: and not in a good way. And this microphone stand, someone fucked with it, <laughs> and now it's like I'm talking down. I have to, like Point my face down into the microphone.
0: It actually looks like you look comfortable.
1: I'm not. Okay. I, I'm like slouched down.
0: I also
3: hate these mics. Fans. What happened, JB? Okay, so This JB Bercy, this is the Queen of hey. hey. Um, not mercy for love, of God. It's not mercy. Shh, don't shade our guest <laughs> for not, his social media. It, it put me back into school because the teachers could never pronounce Bercy and say it. And my mom was like, it rhymes with mercy, so they would say mercy Bercy. I'm just like, no.
1: Mm. Oh mercy, mercy me.
3: But, okay, so this all started with Derek and his fuckery, because well, we're trying to get these cameras to work for these live Twitch things, and these are audio. Mm, cameras? These, yeah. Cameras. These are camera-armed craps, oh. so they don't get in the way of the face oh. when we're doing the video. But I, I hate it, because, again, we're too far from that of ever going live on Twitch. So I don't know why he got these super early. Derek, I'm not uh, slamming you right now, just for the record. Oh, it's me. JB
1: Mercy JB is. said yeah. names. Miss Mersey. I did. Is. Anyhow, uh, yeah, so the mic is fucked up.
0: But uh, it's good to see you.
1: It's great to see you. Welcome. I realize I did something so schmucky, which is for months I asked listeners to nominate us for a podcast award, and then I never fucking announced that we had been nominated.
0: The schmuckery of it all.
1: We were nominated.
0: That's so exciting. Thank you. It's an honor to be nominated.
1: And DNR Studios got so many nominations. Derek and Romaine were nominated in
3: several categories. Mm. DNR Studios as a whole was nominated. As a network? Yes. Yes, uh, as a listening platform. We're, we're fighting with iTunes and oh Spotify. And, people. and then what was the other DNR show that got nominated? Um, ovaries, I believe. If these ovaries could talk. Mm-hmm. Romaine as female podcast host. Yes,
1: I mean, really, it was—it was an embarrassment. Yeah, great season. So, if you uh, did nominate the ass, thank you. And if you were selected as a voter, as I was, please make <laughs> sure that you cast your vote for us and for DNR and Derek and Romaine in all the other categories.
0: We deserve not an the, award, uh, not
1: the LGBTQ category because we fucking deserve it already. All right, we I are. Want that award. This
0: is an award-winning podcast that hasn't won awards thank yeah. you
1: but at least we were nominated yes it's our second nomination in in four years what's
0: the fi- is it it's an honor just to be nominated yeah that's
1: bullshit oh by the way you and i have to make our acceptance video in oh case my god we do win okay uh i have an idea
0: that one video we made that one year mm, that was great
1: it was hilarious um okay we uh I also want to apologize to the listeners and yes I did read all of your many emails telling me that the audio quality on episode 200 was shit.
0: Was that the remote one? Yes. Oh god.
1: I'm sorry that I ch- decided to go to Provincetown. Sorry not sorry because I had an amazing time even though we had to leave early for Hurricane Henri. Henri. Um but yes, I will I next time I do that I will make sure that the guest and the co-host can be heard.
0: Such a shame because I truly had a great time. You were
1: so high, you were barely <laughs> coherent.
0: No, I think I was doing very well up until like the 40, like 40 minutes in. Then I was like starting to crash hard. You
1: just started to say things that didn't make sense. I, I was like, all right, we're going to say
3: goodbye to Ryan Fox, <laughs> like everyone.
0: I, needed to, I, n- I literally needed the like cane to be like I mean, pulled off stage. a
3: offstage. great way... For our 200 show to I mean, be a shitty audio. It was such audio. a
0: shit
1: show. <laughs> and I feel bad for Ryan Shores because he's a great guy and he had a great story to tell, but you couldn't hear him. And also, he has a hard voice to for fu- telephone anyway because yeah. he's got a very particular quality. He, We really needed like an ISD Why don't
0: we bring him back ahead. to hear the story again because I want to hear it. I
1: can't tell the whole I, – I, we're not going to repeat an entire story <laughs> for the listeners. But anyway, um, I apologize to everyone. Now, we're going to do everyone's favorite segment, Recommended Viewing. And we have a new bumper for it. So JB, take it away. I hate this segment. Who gives a fuck what
3: anyone else is watching on TV? This shit sucks. <laughs> oh my god, the Gail. One and only
1: Gail! I needed to hear that. I requested so badly. that bumper from Gail, and uh, she was a great sport. And she actually did it a couple times until it was perfect. Thank you, Gail. Thank you, Gail. Thanks, so, Gail.
0: For some reason, I thought that was another. I thought it was, too.
1: So that will be our bumper for recommended viewing going forward. And uh, my one recommendation this week is something called Clickbait on Netflix, which is like an eight-episode miniseries starring Adrian Grenier and a bunch of other people. Uh, Let me preface this by saying it is not a good show. It is not quality television. It is, however, extremely bingeable. And it will keep you watching. If you're just looking for something to take up a lot of your time, uh, it's a mystery. A man disappears and shows up on a YouTube video holding signs that say, I I abuse women, and when a million views um, come, I'm going to be killed. And it sets in motion this huge mystery, and why was he kidnapped, and did he really do this, and who did it Mm. to him. And everyone in the family gets their own chapter. Um, Like I said, it's not good, but it is very watchable. And... I I love those shows. No spoilers here, but halfway through, because it's supposed to take place in Oakland, California, and Sacramento. And there were times about halfway through where I was like, something's off about this. Something feels weird about everything on this show. And then I read that it was filmed in Melbourne, Australia. (laughs) (laughs) And so everything's just not quite right. The city skyline's not right. The appliances they're using in the home aren't quite right. Everything's just like... This isn't America.
0: It's like Queer as Folk when it filmed in Toronto but took place in Pittsburgh.
1: But this is even more of a a, a mismatch. So anyway, clickbait. I also want to recommend a book this week
0: hmm. that I read
1: and loved. Uh, It's one of Augustine Burroughs' memoirs. He's one of my favorite authors, and it's called Lust and Wonder. It's not new. It came out uh, many years ago, but uh, it's about his search for a healthy relationship and all the terrible relationships he had to have before he found a really healthy, loving one. Um, It's very moving and funny as hell and I just love him. So, Augustine Burroughs, Lust and Wonder. Ryan will be reading it Mm -hmm. next. And Ryan, what is your TV recommendation?
0: So, my recommendation this week is a new Netflix show that would be perfect for JB but unfortunately, he has canceled his Netflix subscription.
2: But...
3: For those of you that
0: still are subscribed, um, there's a new animated series called Q-Force. Fuck you. Oh.
3: Fuck you. I was going to recommend that. <gasps> so, she's a bitch. I was almost uh, going to recommend it, too, and I haven't even watched wait, it. Wait,
0: but... So, do, uh, I don't breaking I do pay for news. Netflix. Okay. Yeah.
3: I don't pay for Netflix. I'm one of those bitches. Fuck you, Netflix. Bring my power rangers. Anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but you're... What? You've got someone else's you login? Yes, I do. Good.
0: I mean, that's how it it always should be, but anyway... The show is Shade. an animated series about queer superhero secret spies. agents spies. It's yes. so funny. It is. It's got everyone. It's got Sean Hayes. It's got Wanda Sykes, mm-hmm. um, Matt Rogers, all these like. And
1: Drew Drogi plays a small part. Does he really? Yes. Yeah. Oh my god.
0: I mean, everyone's on it. Um. And uh. Oh my god. I can't believe I'm forgetting her name, from Roseanne. Uh, Lori Metcalf. Lori Metcalf. E- she's the evil villain. She is so. good. I mean, it's just. It's. Not only is it hilarious, but like I just think to myself, like this is so cool that this exists yeah. in this in this modern time. world. It's getting
1: great buzz. Uh, have you actually watched it? Yeah,
0: I do. Yeah. You liked it. I've, I'm two episodes in, oh. so I haven't seen everything. Um, some of it is very like L.A
1: centric.
0: Centric like the humor but I it, I get most of it. It's, so it's I'm funny. not an
1: animation person or a superhero person but I will definitely tr- uh try this out and I'm actually trying to get the creator of the show Gabe <gasps> Leadman yes. on the sh- on the podcast. I know Gabe we, we were un- unknown gay comedians together many years ago.
0: That's amazing. And
1: he unbeknownst to me has become like one of the top writers in Hollywood like he was in the writers room for some of the biggest shows that have been on the air for the last few years yeah and uh, so good for him and yes I tweeted at him I don't know if he's gonna respond he doesn't follow me but we will see Like okay. to,
0: if you're listening if you're listening come on the pod come on my ass
1: <laughs> and speaking of coming on my
0: ass
3: our lead story
0: I guess we're skipping, well, I mean. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, it, it we, we had the same one, but yeah. anything you want to add, I,
3: I I binged it. it was, I binged all 10 episodes. It was great. Like, you, you're you going to keep watching it just to watch it like this. What's a twist? <laughs> I actually like... thought
1: of you, J.B., as soon as I saw it. I was like, J.B.'s going to love this. But
3: if he'll agree to watch Netflix. Uh, yeah, I did, I did love it. Wanda I, 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 Sykes was my favorite character, hands down.
0: I love her.
1: I
3: love her, hands down. So please watch it. It's real good, y'all. Enjoy. Bye.
1: Okay. Um, anyway, speaking of coming on, uh, on my ass, bottom. this is the latest saga in the OnlyFans, uh, the latest chapter in the OnlyFans saga. It seems like every time we're on the air live, there's a new uh, headline, and this one is OnlyFans has reversed course, and now they will continue to allow sexually explicit content. Uh, this happened a couple weeks ago, but we haven't been on the air in a month. Uh, the company said it secured assurances necessary to support our diverse creator community. Secured assurances from their backers, their financial backers. Um, this had been the sticking point, is that these, they're basically trying to go big and, and make themselves like a legitimate uh, content provider. And in order to do that, they needed financial backers. And these financial backers were apparently squeamish about the sexually explicit material, which is the only reason people go to OnlyFans. Um, the company said, thank you to everyone for making your voices heard. Uh, OnlyFans stands for inclusion and we will continue to provide a home for all creators. Bullshit. Well, some people feel like this was a tactic.
0: <clears throat> mm-hmm. Agreed.
1: They, some people think that they did this knowing that there would be a huge backlash among subscribers and that they could then point to the backlash and say to their backers, like, see, Mm. People don't want a sexually <clears throat> free, a sex-free OnlyFans. They want interesting. Dick. Uh, founded in 2016, the site claims to have more than 130 million registered users. Um, the furious backlash among OnlyFans creators certainly pushed the company to quickly resolve the problem. Uh, the ban had infuriated sex workers who rely on the site to support themselves. Some adult con- uh, creators had already nixed their OnlyFans pages and moved to alternate platforms. So I think that's what, you know, they
0: they were about to lose
1: a ton of money.
0: That's exactly what it was. They realized they were going to lose money, and therefore they had to uh, change course.
1: Some people n- noted the fact that they didn't say they were going to continue to allow this. They said they were going to suspend the ban. Right. Suspend means perhaps it's going to go back in place who the fuck knows but if I were a, an adult content creator I would get the fuck off that site and go someplace yeah. like for my fans just or for fans just for fans well, Those a, and
0: unfortunately a lot of the these creators lost followers in between the time that, that they made this announcement originally and then they like made this second announcement like people left the platform Absolutely. because they were like oh well I guess this is over
1: yeah, and they were pissed. They wanted to show their anger. Um, by the way, apropos of all this, a friend of mine who is obsessed with Matthew Camp was like, Do you follow Matthew Camp on OnlyFans? Do you have an account? And mm. I was like, No, I don't I don't have an account for anyone. He's like, Here's my login and password, you have to watch. Oh my god. And so I did. I jerked off to uh mm. to some Matthew Camp videos. But I have to say hey, Matthew. As hot as I think Matthew is, I don't I'm not attracted to the guys that he...
0: Mm, interesting
1: they're not my kind of guys they're sort of alternative looking twinks mm-hmm. and also he's not enough into oral interesting. i'm re- i really like to watch dick sucking yeah and i feel like matthew is more about the ass mm-hmm. than anything else um uh, there is dick sucking but uh, i and by the way matthew camp did not ask me for a critique of his huh? ass, and this is just <laughs> my personal preference matthew um
0: we have some notes for you um <laughs> but speaking of kidding.
1: matthew Happy Campers
3: ended their show? Uh, yeah. That came as a shock to me. Oh, uh, I can't talk about this on the air. But really? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Well, I'm sorry about that. I think that's a huge loss to DNR Studios. I'm just going to say they're dicks about it, but it's fine. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Tea? Well, I'm looking forward to getting the tea. I did text JB uh, over the week when I learned this, and there was no response. Yeah, because I couldn't talk about
0: it. Okay. Mm. Well, tight, you, can,
1: no, you can tell me yeah. anything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't ever repeat anything I've heard. No, never. Well, speaking of OnlyFans, uh, Grindr is back to suspending celebrity accounts, accusing them of impersonating celebrities. <laughs> the latest victim is this guy, Michael Chakraverti, who, believe it or not, is a celebrity. Uh, He found fame after his appearance on season 10 of the Great British Baking Show. Uh, He made it through to the seventh episode of the 10-part show in 2019 before being eliminated. The gay baker posted a screenshot to Twitter detailing his account suspension on Grindr. The app informed him it was due to, quote, impersonation. Your account has been reported as impersonating someone else. To continue using Grindr, please verify your account. Chakra is not the first person with a public profile to face this sort of problem. Uh, actor and comic Brian Jordan Alvarez shared how he was accused of catfishing on Grindr last year for sending his photos to other users. Bob the Drag Queen has previously said he was banned from Grindr after being accused of impersonating Bob the Drag Queen.
0: Oh,
1: my God. Andy Cohen told El- Ellen in 2018 that he was uh, kicked <clears throat> off a dating app. He didn't say which one for impersonation.
0: Um, so this is a real problem. So... Does Grinder? Do they have a verification? I mean, like, cause you know how like first it was Twitter or Instagram. I don't know which came first, but like the blue check mark situation. And then I know that on Tinder, and like the the more like dating apps, um, you have to be like verified. And it's not just celebrities; it's literally everyone. But There's I wonder. There's no
1: verification process when you join Grindr. Their only thing is like. No nudity of any kind. Like your profile picture, you can't even right. be shirtless, Ugh, which is so, so fucking retar- stupid. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Excuse me.
3: Uh, what do you mean you can't be shirtless? I see a whole bunch of shirtless guys all the time. So
1: here's what here. There's a loophole. Once you've been approved and you have your sh- your picture with a shirt on as your profile pic, you can then add additional pictures shirtless and make one of them your profile pic. And usually they won't notice it, but they will. They will. Like, not allow a shirtless profile pic if it's your first picture. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <clears throat> but what's happening with these celebrities is users are seeing, like, Andy Cohen. Sure. And saying, like, this is bullshit and reporting the account as being fake. And I'm sure it's just a robot who sends them the suspension notice. But it, it's kind of funny. Yeah. First of all, that celebrities need grinder.
0: Yeah, I mean. Also that. Like- I think.
1: I think if I were Andy Cohen, I could get enough dick on my own without Grindr.
0: Yeah, but I also think that, like, if you're Andy Cohen, you kind of want... You, well, I don't want to speak for Andy Cohen. Please do. But, like, one of the biggest aspects of Grinder is that it's mostly, like, anonymous or, like, that you can have anonymous interactions. So, like, if you don't necessarily want someone to know that you're Andy Cohen, you just want to, like, dump your load somewhere, then, like, you you know, you don't have to, like make a big deal about it you can just be like hey this is what i want and like i'm not gonna give you my full tea (laughs) exactly i kind of get it
3: but girl you rich you're famous like you don't need to be on grind you can just order a whore for a night well or go to a bar that's
1: transactional sex and some people like me are not into it like it just doesn't i don't want someone having sex with me because i'm paying them i want them to really want me which, if you're famous, that's already a problem because a lot of guys will, f- will sleep with a famous person, or a lot of women too, simply because they're famous, whether right. they're attracted or not. So that's already kind of like a transactional thing happening. But um, yeah, I mean, this is a problem I'd like to have. I know frankly. I'm like,
0: uh, you Where's know what? My celebrity? Exactly.
1: No one has ever doubted. Although I will say, someone did once steal my uh, pictures. Oh yeah, that's and happened to used me too. Them on Adam for Adam. And I was, alerted, I was alerted to it by someone who knew me. And the, um, I can't remember now if he used... I think maybe he used my name and profile, but not my pictures, but whatever. I had to, like, send Adam for Adam a picture of me holding the date. It was like a hostage <laughs> video. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. To prove that I was who I was. And then they That's deleted so that annoying. profile. Um, there was a time on this podcast early on when we would talk about Aaron Carter a lot. <laughs> Do you remember? It yes. was like in the news every Ugh. week for about uh, this, six months there. This
0: headline makes me like, I just want to close my eyes and read, disappear. Read,
1: read them the headline. Right? Aaron
0: Carter fired from Naked Boy singing for refusing vaccination. What the actual fuck? First of all, why is he in this show?
1: Well, thank you. <laughs> like Former child pop star, and I love that that's how they identify him. Yes. Aaron Carter was set to make his debut in Naked Boy singing this fall. And he has been shown the stage door. Producers for the show have announced his replacements. And wait for it. One of them is David Hernandez. Oh, my God. Of American Idol fame, who was just on the ass a few weeks ago. And let me just say. Hey, David. I would like to see David Hernandez naked Mm. and singing. So I will be buying a ticket. Um, Anyway, for some reason, he's being replaced by two people. David Hernandez and someone named Chris (laughs) Salvatore of Eating Out. I don't know hmm. what that means.
0: You know, I've seen that on the Netflix.
3: Movie? Yeah, uh, there's a movie. The, the movies, yeah. Series. Uh, <clears throat> Girl, uh-oh. that was my whole adolescence growing up.
0: Yeah, those like shitty. Yeah, you yeah.
3: got movies. Yes, yeah, yeah. really bad, really
1: terrible. <laughs> Naked Boy Singing is the all-male, all-naked musical review. They had initially announced that Carter would lead the show when it reopens in Las Vegas in September. Now comes word that the producers have fired Carter from the show, allegedly because the singer refuses to get vaccinated
0: against COVID-19.
1: This also happened with Broadway star Laura Osnett. I was
0: just going to say we have to get she's that an, in here. She's
1: an anti-vaxxer, and she and her husband are like COVID deniers, you yeah. know, they've had covid and like she was supposed to do a benefit at Guild Hall, which is this fancy schmancy arts, uh, arts and entertainment venue in the Hamptons mm-hmm. on New York's uh, Long Island, she was fired for for refusing to get vaccinated because her fellow actors were like, "Fuck you." Yeah. Like who's that actor? Um, oh, he was in *On the Town*.
0: Oh, um, Tony, Yazbek, Tony Yazbek, who is married to a girl I went to college with.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. Tony Yazbek was in the show with her, and he was like, I've got kids. Yeah. And, and young kids that can't be vaccinated. I'm not working with you. Yeah. So she was fired. And the funniest comment I saw on the Aaron Carter story, someone on my Facebook page said, Aaron Carter and Laura Osnes can do a production of Love Letters together. <laughs> Love Letters if you don't know. <laughs> Is the A.R. Gurney play where it's just a man and a woman on opposite sides of the stage writing letters to each other all night. That's the whole play. So the idea of the two of them
0: doing it is so fucking funny. so hilarious.
1: But fuck him and fuck her and fuck these anti-vaxxers. Anyone anti- I can't with them anymore. Goodbye. I just found out that someone I have slept with (laughs) several times and who I kind of know socially and who you know Oh boy. is like a big time anti-vaxxer. He posted this thing on Instagram last week. At first, I thought it was like a good thing. It was, you know, it was one of those memes. And mm-hmm. it said like, we will not tolerate discrimination on the basis of race, sex, sexual identity, religion. Cre-. I was like, yeah, awesome. And then he got to the end and it said vaccination status or no. mask wearing.
0: No. Oh, my God. It I was like,
1: I strongly disagree.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm like, those other things are immutable characteristics that you're born with, and it's offensive to compare them to refusing to wear a mask because Tucker Carlson told you not to, or refusing to get vaccinated. And I was like, what it, what's happened to you? And he like starts texting me. Please stop defaming me. I'm going to read you the whole thing. Oh, my God. it's pretty damn good.
0: Oh, boy. I, was,
1: I could not believe I was talking to like someone I had thought was... I can't wait to hear who it is. Please don't continue to defame me on my personal page. And to make grand statements regarding my potential racism, which I never did. I just (laughs) said it was offensive. And assumed news sources, and he put ASS in capital letters. We may have fucked, but you don't know me well enough to do that. Please stop. And I said, I'll stop when you stop sharing misinformation that will lead to more deaths. I always thought you were a reasonable and intelligent person. I guess I was wrong. (laughs) Oh, my God. He said, perhaps you were. Sorry to stir such anger. Please refrain from further commenting, asking kindly. I said, don't worry. You'll never hear from me again. Oh, my God. He said, ha, ha, ridiculous and accepted. I said, good luck when you're on a ventilator. Oh my God. He said, I really didn't hear from you anyway, did I? No loss, boss. <gasps> Wait.
0: Oh, my God. Okay. Do you want to know who it is? Yeah.
1: I don't know if this name will mean anything to you off the bat. I may have to... Remind you how you know no. him. No. Yeah, you, you know, know him. I know him. Okay. All right. Anyway, I can't anymore. Here's the thing. They're killing us. <clears throat> they're killing Americans every day with their bullshit.
0: Yeah, it's it's out of control. As far as Aaron Carter is concerned, <laughs> he should be so lucky that someone wants him right? to work.
1: To do anything. To do
0: anything. Um, so the fact that he is letting his, like, idiot fucking beliefs... Get in the way of employment. It's like, dude, you need. I'm. I'm sure. I, does he have kids? Like, I feel like no he, kids. No kids. I just feel like he's like a complete disaster, and like he should be so lucky.
1: Well, and someone else pointed out they're like this kid is no stranger to having needles in his arms.
0: Hello. And he's afraid of. He's afraid that. of a vaccine. Hello. Yeah. Hello? Oh, Come on. I like,
3: was literally gonna the say
1: drugs that. that he bought from strangers <laughs> that
3: he's ingested. But but he's not going to take an FDA approved vaccine. Fuck
0: you. Fuck all the you. drugs.
3: You, take, you probably take raw dick up your butt Ooh. and get all the drugs, and you can't take a vaccine that may or may not prevent uh. the Delta virus. You bum uh. bitch.
1: He also, you know, came out as bisexual and then like went back in the closet and said he's really not, and yeah. then people misunderstood yeah, him. Trash. He's, a, he's trash. And and I'm thrilled that David Hernandez got that gig. Yeah. I fucking love him. Yeah. And he's hot, and I want to see his dick. And
0: talented, and like deserves
1: it. David, if you're listening. Send me a dick pic. Um, okay, I'm overdoing it with the bell today. You uh, really are? I'm, I'm bell happy. I'm a little punchy. I'm on DayQuil. Oh. Okay. Okay. So, Live your truth. Um, someone else who fucked up big time this past week oh my was God. Uh, Broadway mega producer Cameron McIntosh. Cameron, although it turns out he may have been misquoted, and I kind of believe this. But anyway, okay. he was being interviewed by The Telegraph, which is a London newspaper. And they asked him um, how he felt about making existing characters in in a musical transgender. He said, quote, you can't implant something that is not inherently there in the story or character. That's what I think. Just to do that, that becomes gimmick casting. It's trying to force something that isn't natural. And so people took this to mean he would not cast... Uh, let's say, a trans woman to play Mary Poppins or to play a, an, another female role. Um, social media erupted. Stars like Alexander Billings, who has played Madame Morrible She's, on Broadway in yeah. Wicked, uh, she, she posted, I am an actor, I am Mame, I am Madame Rose, I am Miss Hannigan, and I am Annie Oakley, and I am Fontaine." But I am these stories because I am part of the human fabric and no one has the right to take this away from me. I am an actor, Mr. McIntosh, not a gimmick. Hmm. Other people pointed out that it was Cameron McIntosh who cast Jonathan Price, a white man, to play a Vietnamese man in the original production of Miss Saigon. So if you want to talk about things that are not natural, it's a white guy wearing yellow face.
0: Yeah, Cam. So he was
1: fully slammed. Uh, By the way, just so you know who this dude is, if you're not a theater person, he's produced uh, Broadway mega hits like Cats, Miss Saigon, Les Mis, The Phantom of the Opera, and Mary Poppins. Here's his clarification, which I tend to believe because it didn't make sense to me what he had originally said, and this does. He says, I was recently asked by a journalist if I would consider making the character of Mary Poppins, not the actor playing the role, A transgender woman. Mm. Unfortunately, my answer has been misinterpreted to suggest that I am opposed to casting a transgender performer to play the role. This is absolutely not true. I meant only that I would not, as a producer, disregard the author P.L. Travers' original intention for the character. To be clear, whether a person is trans has no bearing on their suitability for any role in any of my shows, including Mary Poppins, as long as they can perform the role as written. I'm very sorry for any distress caused by my remarks being misinterpreted. Trans actors are welcome to submit an audition for any of my productions. What matters is what has always mattered. Talent and storytelling, I have long been and will continue to be a proponent of diversity in casting
0: for my projects around the world. Ryan, you say what? Well, I think, I think I'm with you in, in believing that maybe this was misinterpreted. However, whether Cameron McIntosh thinks that trans people should be cast in roles that are, you know, previously known as being like cis, it doesn't matter because it's happening. Alexandra Billings is starring in Wicked. Um, MJ Rodriguez is, uh, it hasn't been announced, but I I really believe that she's about to star in the revival of The Life, directed by Billy Porter. And she did Little Shop of Horrors. And she did Little Shop of Horrors. Like, Mm -hmm. whether or not he, this person that like, as far as I'm concerned, is sort of irrelevant. Like, yeah, he's, like, this big producer, but, like, the theater is moving in the direction it's moving in, whether he likes it or not. So, like, I I don't, I hope that he, uh, I hope that his second statements are true, but the initial thought of it being that, like, trans people can't be cast in these roles, it's, like, ridiculous. And I think
1: it, it was, I think he was set up. I think he was set up by a journalist who was looking to make headlines around the world, and did, um, or he misunderstood the question. I, I, I don't. Even if he felt yeah that trans actors shouldn't play cis parts, I don't think he would say it. I think he's smart I agree. enough to know that that's not okay.
0: I, I yes, I would hope so.
1: But once again, it's always good to have these conversations. Yeah, and hopefully, this whole kerfuffle will lead to more trans actors getting cast. I'm going to skip this blind item story about mm-hmm. Matt Damon as much as I want to do it, because I want to get to your, yes. um, your RuPaul update, which we haven't this had in months. exciting. But I want to say, I have not watched the <gasps> final episode, and I have not seen on social media who wins. Really? So please, if you can, give us your general impression of the season okay. without spoiling
0: it. Okay. Shantae, you stay. Hit it. So we just wrapped the uh, sixth season of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars, and... I will I will say that this is probably one of the best All Stars we've had since maybe All Stars two or three because it was a great cast. There were this was the most amount of queens we've ever seen on a season, and um, the top four that we uh, that we had was um, Ginger Minj uh, from season seven and All Stars two, Eureka O'Hara from season nine and season ten. Roger O'Hara from season 11, and Kylie Sonique Love from season 2. A really great, strong um, top four. And, yeah, I I, I'm, I wish that we could talk about who won. I'll just say this. Um, I think it was deserved. Um, I'm very happy with the outcome. And um, I think that I, I, this, the, the season in general has been a little bit tainted just because I still don't taint. think... Taint. The Paramount Plus of it all, I saw something on Twitter that was like, just a reminder for everyone to delete their, to cancel their Paramount Plus subscriptions. Like, it's just the fact that it had to be on Paramount Plus to begin with is kind of like... It was a money grab. Yeah. But I think the production reflected the move. I think with going to Paramount Plus, the production of the show was able to be enhanced in such a way where it was like, this was a good... Season of Drag Race. Like they did the damn thing.
1: I agree. And I love the fact that they could just swear without getting bleeped. Yeah.
0: It really is refreshing. Yes. And it
1: made them more candid and funnier. It made RuPaul funnier. I think the episode where it's revealed that the eliminated queens have been battling to stay every week. And we got to see it as the queens. The, the the top queens got to see it yeah. as the judges got it was so well produced it blew I, my mind I was riveted I, me too and and up until then I was almost giving up on it like I was kind of like I don't know if I care that much about this season anymore like I like them all they're all yeah. talented yeah. but like maybe I've, I've had too much Drag Race and then that episode hit what was it like episode seven
0: it was like uh, seven or eight yeah and I kept texting you I was like
1: holy shit holy shit
0: especially since we'd been getting. Because I think it, every season the queens come back, but because the cast was bigger this season, it just meant a longer period of time of not knowing what the twist was. Like every episode we were reminded, yeah. there's a game within a game. Right. So
1: we hear about this game within a game over and over and over again, and it became tedious. We were like, okay, what the fuck's the game within the game? It was worth the wait. Yes. When it was finally revealed, it was so well
2: done.
0: It basically was the silky nutmeg ganache episode Show. she really turned she, it and there was a so lot of backlash good. she there was always there was a lot of backlash on, on, online i mean
1: people w- hate her and i'm not sure why it's
0: really unfortunate i don't i don't know about you but uh paul and i were stoned out of our mind watching it and, and every <laughs> single thing she did every stunt just like, <laughs> until, we're the like la- oh! until the last one well, yeah and then you know that that turned out the way i i i was very happy um With the outcome, we'll talk about it once you've been caught up.
3: Yes. Question. Yes. So was this the season? Because I don't know. I've been, uh, you know, I'm an Instagram reel person. I go all in the reels. So I've been watching a lot of reels where Bianca Del Rio, was she on All Stars this season? She she made it a moment, yeah. Oh, okay. It was just a moment? Yeah. Right. Okay. I thought she was there for the host. I was like, oh. She
0: was revealed at one point as the lip sync assassin. For that episode, but the thing is, is that she, she never, yeah. yeah, she never did that. I so got I, the joke. Yeah, <laughs> so,
3: that's my whole
1: question. So, just FYI, because I think we're all wondering where the guest is, he just texted me on Insta that he's walking up from 34th Street. We're on 38th Street, so we should be here shortly. Okay. Um, yeah. But in the meantime, we will do the Matt Damon blind item story. Great. This was actually uh, I was tipped off by one of our listeners, Derek Edwards. Mm. Uh, so thank you, Derek. Hey, Derek. I want you to just—I'm just, just going to tell you that it's Matt Damon. Okay. Like it's clearly Matt Damon. Duh. This actor is a popular and likable guy. He received word that some things, he, some things he had said a while back were going to be made public. If this had happened, the public re- retaliation would have been shock and condemnation. No matter what kind of excuses or apologies he made, he would have been canceled. Hmm. So what did our movie star do? He got ahead of the story. He reframed it using a completely different party... And made his apologies as if he was somehow some enlightened being who had learned a valuable life lesson. Hmm. Now, when someone comes forward accusing him of using bigoted speech, the public reaction will likely be a shrug. It will seem like the accuser is just rehashing something that's already been dealt with. Everybody will have already moved on. So if you were wondering, and we were, why our actor made this weirdly random revelation, wonder no more. The proactive solution was unpalatable, but much better than the reactive backlash he would have received had he not done it. Wow. So you know what this is, right, JB?
3: Is it about him saying the faggot word? Yes. Okay, so here's here's my thing. My dad would call me faggot anytime. I mean <laughs> so far. Like he could spit in my mouth and call me a faggot. Ooh, girl. But
0: they mean you can only call me a <sighs> faggot if your dick is inside <sighs> me.
1: Yeah, pretty when much. When you call me it. Yeah. But, but we all when that happened, remember everyone was like, What first of all, why are you telling this story? Yeah. Second of right. all, why did it take you until 2021 to learn that, like, faggot's a bad word? Yeah, this makes sense. This makes total this sense. Tracks. And now I bet it's not even going to come out. Whatever was going to be used against him, the person probably knows that it's been diffused. Right. I have to mm. say, I think it's really smart. Yeah. And there's people out there trying to cancel me right now, so I Wait, I get it. what? Yeah. Oh, that's uh, why, a whole conversation for canceled? another time. We'll, J- we'll do a special. I, actually, I actually do want to do an entire episode about this, JB. It's about a joke I told. In 2009, that was racially insensitive. Okay. And there's a group of people who really don't like me who are trying hard to get me canceled. And they're circulating not the whole clip, just the five seconds that that sound really bad. Of course. Um, But the whole joke is problematic. And I. And you would never
0: tell it today. I have not
1: told it in a decade. I don't tell jokes. I'm not a comic anymore. It, It was stupid. I didn't know better. I do now. We'll get into it. one joke over a 15-year career, but yes, they want to cancel me.
3: Girl. (laughs) Some people don't know when the party is over.
1: The party is over. So, yeah. So, Matt Damon. I love um, how, like,
0: back in the day it was just like, oh, they're they're trying to kill me or they're trying to do this. And now it's like, they're trying to cancel me. Like, I know. Oh, he's here. Ding dong. (laughs) And (laughs) his (laughs) lady (laughs) barking (laughs) her ass off.
1: Lady, stop. Our guest is here. Please stand by as stand we by, uh, stand by. JB is going to let doo, him in. This is so exciting. We never have
0: in studio guests. Wait, wait, hold on. I'll. Uh, hey. We're just uh, just doing a little transitional moment. The clip. Um. Uh.
1: What are, you, are you filling air right now? I
0: am. I am filling <laughs> air, but I'm also kind of spacing out at the same time. <laughs>
1: like, Tell them more about Drag Race.
0: Well, I will say this really quickly. Um, drag Race Holland is the best thing that's ever happened to the Drag Race world. And if you're not watching, you're missing out. Is there a out. second season? Yes. Oh, that's exciting. It's I will happening watch. right now. Okay, let's go. Our guest today is an award-winning director, producer, and choreographer. We first
1: had him on the ass back in 2019 to talk about his documentary Party Boy, which examined meth addiction among black gay men. He's now in post production of a new documentary that examines homophobia and transphobia in the black community. It's called Black as You Are
2: Here's a Taste. I wanted to ask you guys there's so much that's been happening in the world right now with coronavirus and the Trump stuff that's going on. It's like the world's kind of like turned upside down. Black lives matter, and the black people being killed at the hands of police. But also, too, black trans women being murdered and killed. Does that put you guys in a paranoid state sometimes? Like, how do you process My whole life is a damn state like that.
3: Ever since kindergarten, I've always been called a faggot, a girl, a this, a that. I had knives held to me. I had people hold guns to my head. I had people try to rob me over the fact that I was gay or trans or I looked like a girl or I looked like a boy. And it always makes me very apparent, even here. Like, I'm sitting down and I'm like... Because every little sound, I'm just, it's like kind of like a trigger. So it's like I always alert. We are in a world that we do have acceptance, but there's a lot of ignorance. And joining
1: us in studio is the director of Black As You Are, Michael Rice. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, hey, Michael.
2: <laughs> hey, how you doing? Good, how, how are you? I'm, I'm great. We were a little
1: worried about you.
2: Yeah, I'm here. It's New York City, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's Absolutely. great to
1: have you in studio. We, we so rarely have in-studio guests these days.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. What inspired you to make this film? So when I created Black As You Are, what inspired me was that I felt like the black community was never uh, confronted with homosexuality, uh, as in the general society or white communities had um, the Stonewall riot, and they had HIV to deal with in the early 80s. But the black community at that time, I felt paid more attention to the crack epidemic and kind of left black queer folks kind of out in the pastures. Where a lot of white organizations and um, were coming together to, you know, confront what's happening with HIV, also to talk about sexualities within the home. But then, when the black structure, it was more closed off. So when I created this film, I said, you know what? Let's do something to where we talk to my black community brothers and brothers and sisters speak to each other, um, and we talk about the issues in our community. We talk about HIV. We are talking about sexuality in the home and what does that look like? So black as you are is pretty much the intersectional lives of black queer people fighting for equality within our own black demographic.
1: Right. And historically speaking, there are reasons why there is such entrenched homophobia and transphobia in the black community. And I'm betting it has a lot to do with slavery. And with the system of ra- the systematic racism that mm-hmm. you know on which the United States was built, can right. you kind of explain how that's linked to to this fear and and loathing of of anything that isn't straight
2: well there's there's multiple um aspects of why people think that uh, particularly within black and brown communities, that homophobia, but that's almost in any community uh, around the world. It's just that in our particular case here in America, because we've had so much racism and so much bigotry happen to the black community, to add homosexuality to it, it just seems like a much more complex situation that's optional rather than it being internal for certain people whose truth is being a part of the queer community you know so um, this film is actually confronting that and we're talking about aspects of race we're talking about aspects of the black church and what does that mean because the black church has always been uh, kind of like this savior for the black community since slavery post slavery and even now and so it's one of our Uh, foundations within the black community where we come together, we talk about everything from politics to spirituality, and also the community. So in this film, we just kind of bring those aspects to the forefront.
1: Why do you think in 2021, there's such transphobia in particular, it it feels like, you know, you have the Black Lives Matter movement Mm -hmm. going on, which is long overdue. And you also have the Trans Lives Matter movement going on, and and you sort of talk about the intersection of them in the film. But when we hear about trans women being murdered, it's almost always black trans women, and it's almost always at the hand of black cisgender men. What is that about? Where Where does that violence,
2: what does that grow out of? I feel like it's the oppress, oppressing others. And so you have a community that has been uh, put into, have been stigmatized, have been abused. And then you have people that have been abused that are abusing other people, uh, creating spaces of power dynamics within themselves, you know. So, I mean, I think that could almost go for any particular um, group of people. But when we're talking about the black community, I think it's like the oppressed, oppressing, other oppressed or hurt individuals, you know? So that's what we talk about in the film. And we kind of, we bring that to light. We talk about black-on-black crime, um, uh, police brutality from black police to black men. So these subjects we're talking about in the film, and when it comes to Black Lives Matter, um, when they bring up the aspect of black trans lives matter, what they're doing is ringing an alarm to everyone in the black community, saying if we're starting with black trans lives matter, it encompasses every black life within that circle.
1: Right. What was your experience growing up as a black queer man? What kind of reaction or or uh,
0: how,
1: how did your family deal with it? How did yeah. What was
2: the church in your life? Like what, what was your well, – how hard or how easy was it for you? Well, thank God for me, my parents were very accepting. My dad was very accepting, even though my dad was the last person to know. Uh, my mom said she always knew, and when I was little um, – You know, just growing up playing football in Texas, I'm from Texas, from Houston, uh, playing football and all these things were part of the uh, template for young males at that time. And I thought because I'm a young black man, this is something that I just have to do because everyone else is doing it. But I was more interested in theater. I was more interested in drama and things of this nature and dance. Were you a good football player? I think I, pretty, I was. I was. <laughs> yeah sexy. I, I really was. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but, but dance my, my is sexy, mom, too. Yeah, dance is sexy. But my mom was accepting. My dad was the last person to know. And when I told him, I, to, I tried it out with my uncle first. And he was accepting. So then I tried with my dad. And my dad was like, I thought we were friends. Like, I love you regardless. I would never disown you. How could you think that? And then I started crying. And then he said, you know, it's OK. I love you. And then it was just That's big, amazing. It was amazing. But some people don't have that story. So yeah. I, I feel really blessed.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think any young uh, LGBTQ person is lucky to have parents like yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, Ryan Ryan didn't have that with his dad. No, Uh, my parents weren't nearly as accepting in the beginning, Mm -hmm. but they came to be accepting.
2: Wow, but I was also a little scared too because my dad's military. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that can be tough. And my dad's kind of like they tend to be very conservative, conservative, very strict about rules. But he said he loved me. Yeah, truly.
1: The film features a college professor who talks about Bayard Rustin, Mm -hmm. and that's a name that not enough people know. Can you explain why Bayard Rustin is is such an integral figure in the civil rights movement?
2: Yes. um, Bayard Rustin is one of the most important... Um, staples within the civil rights movement because um, as a friend of Dr. Martin Luther King, but also as an organizer for the March on Washington, a lot of people are not aware that the person who organized the March on Washington and we see it as this big civil rights march, which it, which it is, which it was, uh, was uh, curated by Bayard Rustin. And I just and he, was a gay that, man. and he was a gay man and I wanted to put that in the film so people can be aware just like a lot of people didn't know that the famous poet from the Harlem Renaissance Langston Hughes was also a part of the LGBTQ community as well so just because I feel like people see these historic figures these people were just people just like us living breathing and doing what they have to do in life uh Bayard Rustin was one of those individuals who really created that layout for the March on Washington. And we're seeing it play out today, even in Black Lives Matter.
1: And he his legacy, I think, was somewhat buried because people were uncomfortable with the fact that he was a gay man. Yeah. Like most, in, in other words, he he would have been as big as Jesse Jackson. Right. Or bigger. Yeah. If he hadn't been gay
2: at that time, they felt that um now that the press was really honing in on Dr. Martin Luther King and it was becoming something that was uh, nationwide, and press started noticing that, and he was an open gay. Yeah, man at that. And at that time, in the early 60s, like, could you imagine, you know? And so a lot of the people, a lot of the team and people surrounding the uh, Dr. Martin Luther King camp felt that it was in the best interest of the movement for him to take a step back. And it was really hurtful from the research that I've done. Uh, It was really hurtful towards him because he loved the movement and he loved black folks and he wanted to see a change happen. But he had to take a step back because we didn't want to kind of diminish uh, what everyone's attention was supposed to be, which was the civil rights movement. And I think, you know, it's important that figures like that get
1: recognized so that young black kids growing up know that one of their pioneers, one of the people who really, uh, made a difference in their lives was a gay man. How, how does this change? How do we fix this problem? You've identified this problem and you're exploring it in the film. How does it get better?
2: It gets better from people being more open-minded, people being educated, and people being more open to communicate with one another, whether you're within a black community or a white community, even in the neighborhoods that are being gentrified, you know, opening up and not closing yourself off. Um, I tell people all the time, sometimes you'll have segregation in almost every aspect of society, even within our LGBT family, it's separated. You have the white gay bars and the black gay bars and you have a small mixture of people that will come together or, or, or be intertwined together. A lot of times, that's from friendship. A lot of times, that's dealing with sex. Sometimes that's, you know, we have all these intersections. <laughs> I'm laughing because my dog is, is licking. My dog is my licking God. your leg. As I'm talking a, about sex. What a treat. you okay? <laughs> no, it's a treat. I love it. It's beautiful. <laughs> She's okay. really into you. Right, okay. She likes, ahead, she likes the chocolate, right? Mm, she does. <laughs> um, but, the last time yeah. we had
1: you on, you had just completed Party Boy. Yeah. And you were the first person who brought to our attention, I think to a lot of people's attention, mm-hmm. the Ed Buck case, mm-hmm. and here we are now, three years later, yeah, wow. two years later. Ed Buck is in is in prison, yeah, sentenced for the death of uh, Jamel Moore and uh, Timothy Timothy Dean. Dean. Yes, you were you were there during the trial, right? You yeah. were out in L.A. What what? How was that for you?
2: Um, you worked, in the courtroom? I was actually in the courtroom. Wow. And so um, I've been incredibly partial to this story since its inception, since the death of Jamel Moore. And then when I created Party Boy, I wanted to bring to the forefront of the community that we are having a crystal meth epidemic within the greater LGBT community, but specifically for Party Boy documentary, the black and brown community, which had never been affected by a drug like crystal meth, you Mm -hmm. know? And so it started ravaging the community. And so I had been partial to uh, the Jamel Moore story. And then a year later when Timothy Dean died, I said, okay, this is a trend. This is happening all all over the country. But in specifics, when it comes to Ed Buck, it's kind of like the moniker of of what's happening all over and all the attentions going towards it. So I said, I want to see this play out. So even though I did the documentary Party Boy, I said, I want to see this play out. And I did it really because I'm also working on an op-ed piece for uh, the time I was actually in L.A. And so it was a very gruesome experience. I would say that it was heartbreaking to be in the courtroom with the family To my left and all the reporters from uh, the Examiner, the the L.A. Times, uh, we had FBI agents behind us. Uh, The courtroom was packed. Uh, We saw a lot of graphic images. Uh, Ed Buck had over 2,400 videos. Yeah, And in that process, 1,500 of them showed people using meth and him administering crystal meth to those individuals. Um, It got so bad that one of the jury members... Um, soiled their seat uh, Because it was so graphic And we had to be dismissed out of court Like they took oh a dump god. in their pants? I think it was an uh, older lady She, I think she urinated maybe possibly right. I'm not sure exactly But oh I know we were just informed that you know They had to bring cleaners into the courtroom But it was really horrible It was really graphic It was things that I never thought somebody would do um, There were images of Ed Buck uh, Paying people to set their penis on fire Oh my god uh, there were... Um Moments, where and he wasn't even
1: charged in, in for that specifically, right? He no. was only charged in the in the in, in, in the death, death but, of those but two also, men. But
2: also, he had nine counts, so he was found guilty in all nine. Right. So that's that was including um, uh, sex trafficking from across state lines, also dealing with uh, bringing narcotics across state lines and things of this nature. Um, hiring escorts that he would meet on Grindr and um, Adam for Adam and fly them into Los Angeles uh, to participate in crystal meth. And one of the things I found shocking. Uh, Is that he would drive down to Skid Row in downtown Los Angeles and he would seek out very specifically black uh, homeless youth and he would offer them up to twelve hundred dollars to eight hundred dollars. I think the smallest amount I heard was like two fifty to get them out of the sun, to bring them in his car, take them home. And he said all they had to do was dress up in um, white Long I guess Johns. Long Johns. Right. And, and, he had like a, sl- yeah.
1: a slave fetish, right? He, he
2: had like a slave fetish, but um, he made them take a shower and his home was set up in stations. And so when you walked into his house, first of all, he had wallpaper that had skulls on it with flames coming from behind the skull when you walked in. So creepy. Um, he had a sign that said, uh, the gates of hell, which was above his the threshold of the door. Uh, there was a red tool case uh, that had layers of dildos and toys and, and um drugs and he would have people come in and he would have Gatorade stacked on top of the tool case and it would have liquid G inside the Gatorade and they would not be closed. So when people come in he said, drink Gatorade, you walk to the kitchen, uh, you walk to the bathroom, take a shower, you put on the long job and then you sit on an air mattress in front of the sofa and then I will engage you with the drug. So the house was set up in stations Jesus. and it, it so was disturbing. it was more disturbing the most disturbing thing was the chainsaw oh. um, he, he got the victims so high that he would inject crystal meth in under their armpit and some of them went into this I don't know, this, this um, overdose state, and they were, un- they were kind of unsure. They couldn't move their bodies. He had a chainsaw in his bedroom, and what he would do was wield the chainsaw around their face, and they would go into convulsions because they would already be inundated right. with crystal meth. So one person, ex- when he took out the chainsaw, one person escaped through the living room window, and I didn't even know this until I was actually there at the actual court case. That's a fucking horror movie. Michael,
1: he never testified, right? No. No. And w- was he, was everybody wearing masks in the
2: courtroom? Everyone was wearing masks. I was going to ask you, mad- like, what yeah, did his it was, face look like during yeah, it his was, testimony? It was mandated. Um, everyone was wearing masks. I think the uh, prosecutors, uh, Chelsea Norell, did an amazing job. She's an assistant U.S. attorney. She did an amazing job. But one of the things that startled me at the very beginning of the trial uh The uh, defense, who a lot of you guys are familiar with, is Christopher Darden, Mm -hmm. who was also part of the prosecution case with uh, Marsha Clark for the OJ. He was defending. And what was odd to me and a lot of reporters is that Ed Buck was using black men to the end. He used them for his fetishes and what he wanted to do, and he was trying to use professional black men to get him off. Mm -hmm. And he also mentioned that he... Uh, loved civil rights and he would never harm anyone that was black. and because right. this is the way he
1: made himself feel better about yeah. it. About
2: yeah, and it was, it was crazy. <sighs> and one of the most pressing things about it, Christopher Darden kept bringing up that the reason Jamel Moore died was because he was HIV positive and he had AIDS. That and is such it was, bullshit. It was oh so ignorant. Wow. And they played on the I'm really, I'm the really
1: shocked and saddened to hear that because yeah. Dard- I've always admired Darden and I always thought he was such a good guy. That's fucked
2: up. It it was horrible. He played off the fear of, he didn't even mention HIV. Let's start with that. He mentioned AIDS right off the Mm -hmm. bat. Mm -hmm. He died because of AIDS. Ed Buck didn't kill him. Ed Buck was trying to help him. And Ed Buck also told people that when he had all these black kids, I mean, young people coming into his home, he told his neighbors that he is a counselor and that he was just helping the youth.
1: Listen, we only have about a minute left. Yes. We're not going to be able to play Ask, sure. Ask Me No Questions with you, which we will do the next time you're on. Oh, I'm determined. Yes. Okay. But how did you feel when the jury
2: announced their verdict? When they announced their verdict, I was elated. I was happy. I was happy for the family. Um, I saw their frustration. I saw the hurt. I saw the tears. And me, along as as, as well as the, the uh, media that was there, we all just kind of circled around each other, and everyone cheered, and we were happy that justice has been done thank God yeah. and yeah. I'm glad
1: that you were there to see it I think you were really instrumental in bringing that case to the forefront and in helping um, get justice done for, for those two men and, and for all of his other victims um, and I think you continue to do great work you're always uh, one of our favorite guests definitely next time the Lady loves we'll have you. more time with you when can yes. people see black as you are what's the status of the film
2: um, right now we're, we're working the, uh, the film festival circuit so oh it's done Um, It's almost done, Um, but we're working as far as the preparation. And so as soon as it is, I would definitely let you know, because I would love to come up here and tell you more about it. Yes, we will. Definitely. And our listeners will want to know, and how can people follow you online? Yes, um, so I'm a big Instagrammer, and you can either go to my Instagram, which is Michael, M-I-C-H-E-A-L underscore Rice, R-I-C-E, or, and you can also go to MichaelRice.com if you want to know more information about me, Uh, if anyone want to book a screening of Party Boy, you can definitely go to michaelrice.com.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I apologize for the tongue
2: bath from my dog. No, it was delightful. (laughs) She's got a great little (laughs) tongue.
1: Ryan and JB, thank you so much for being here. Tune in next week to hear another brand new ass with our special guest comedian Suzanne Westenhofer. She was on episode four. Wow. And we haven't had her back since. So she will be coming back next week. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ass merch at adamsank.com. Ryan, how can people follow you on social media? You can
0: follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Ryan Frosting with an N.
3: JB? You can follow me at Stalking Anarchy 12 only on Instagram.
0: And you can follow me, me,
1: at AdamSank on Twitter and Insta and uh, on TikTok, which I almost never use. I'm AdamSankOfficial. Email me your uh, complaints, uh, reviews, dick pics at adam at adam um, Have a wonderful week and a happy Labor Day. Yeah. Yes. Bye.
3: Bye.